You are getting sleepy. Your CPAP mask is clamped tightly to your face. You will not toss and turn through the whooshing. You will not throw the mask. It's not working, Harold. People who struggle with CPAP have partners who struggle too. Luckily, now there's Inspire. No mask, no hose, just sleep. When I snap my fingers, you will remember to visit InspireSleep.com. Inspire is not for everyone. Talk to your doctor to see if it's right for you and review important safety information at inspiresleep.com. Let's do that hockey. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast, episode number 122. I'm your host, Peter Harling, and on today's episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the players who stood out to me at the Memorial Cup recently. And I'm also going to go over my final top 32 rankings for the 2022 NHL entry draft. Uh, So before I I tuck into that, uh, let's uh, take a second to talk about the Dauber Prospects Fantasy Prospect Report. Uh, It's the 16th annual edition. It's available now. Links in show notes. This report is... If you listen to this podcast, you, you've, I'm sure you've heard of it and you probably own it and have, have combed over it already. But in the off chance that uh, you're kind of new to this show and you're into fantasy hockey and you're into deep, deep leagues, this is the must-have guide. It goes over the top about 15 prospects that are fantasy relevant for every NHL team. It has the top 50 prospects rankings for players that have not played a single game in the NHL. It has the top 25 goalie prospects, and it also has a pretty thorough draft guide for the 2022 draft as well. Uh, most of that information is compiled by David Hall and the Dauber Prospects uh, draft scouting team. Uh, it's got rankings for forwards, uh, wingers, defense, goalies, uh, power forward ranking. It's got the top 25 points only fantasy rankings for the 2022 NHL draft and for more stuff on that take a listen uh, for an upcoming episode soon from Daubert's Draftcast which I'll be guesting on later on today when we record that it'll have a number of the other Daubert prospects contributors and writers and we'll be going over um, our rankings for the top 50 there's uh, a number of of, uh, senior writers that contributed to that uh, and then we take the Dauber's rankings, uh, managing editor David Halls, and compare those two rankings to the consensus rankings. And it's all uh, available to see who was who was ranked by whom, when, and, and where. So that's a really interesting tool to read. Um, also, for more 2022 draft uh, coverage, take a listen to some of my last episodes. Uh, episode 121, I went over the top prospects for the draft from the United States National Team Development Program with uh, with special guest Pete Krupski. And, uh, and Pete had some really great insight into some of those players. And this year's first round is just loaded with guys from that program, kind of like the, uh, the 19 draft that had Jack Hughes, Matt Boldy, Spencer Knight, uh, Cam York, and a laundry list of players. Um, so I don't think that the NTDD's crop this year is the same kind of quality as that year, but the same kind of quantity. Um, so that's interesting. And then the previous episode to that, episode 120, I went deep on Shane Wright with Kingston Frontenac's television host, Alan Edmansky. Uh, he and I 
watched a lot of Shane Wright this year. So we talk a lot about his um, perceived slow start and bad season and that he didn't have a, a season worthy of a number one pick and, and reasons why we both still believe he's the number one prospect from this year's draft class. So before I get too far into that stuff, uh, let's start with talking about the Memorial Cup. So anyone who's listening who's not too familiar with what the Memorial Cup is, the Canadian Hockey League, it's a league that governs the three individual junior hockey leagues in Canada, the, the WHL out west, the Ontario Hockey League, and then everything east of that is the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. Each one of those leagues runs independently of each other. They have two division uh, conferences, and they have a, a playoff. The top 16 teams get in. They have a similar to the NHL playoff. Uh, East versus West finalists play for the championship. So of those three leagues, the three champions are granted entry into the Memorial Cup tournament along with a predetermined host city. And the host city is... Uh, selected about a season before and they're they're selective as to who they they choose there's a number of criteria that go into that they have to have you know the, the city and the facilities to accommodate uh, a tournament of that uh, size and scope but the team also has to be projected as a con- contender to qualify for the memorial cup because they don't want a team that's you know that doesn't even make the playoffs and and then they they show up in the memorial cup and they're playing the best of the best and, and just get tuned up every night for five nights in their hometown. Um, so there's, they, they choose teams that have a very strong roster, usually loaded with uh, older players as well. Uh, so the contestants for this tournament were the Edmonton Oil Kings, uh, the WHL champions, the Hamilton Bulldogs were the OHL champions, and the Shawinigan Cataracts were the champs from the queue, and the host city was the St. John Sea Dogs. And St. John's had a very good season, and they've got great players, but they lost in the second round. Um, so they got a bit of a break. They didn't play for about a month before uh, all the champions were crowned and the Memorial Cup began. So they went in healthy and fresh, and I think you could make an argument that that gave them pretty distinct advantage as they ended up uh, winning the whole tournament. Uh, All the teams played great, and there are are several players who I could talk about, and I really want to get into that. So let's start with the uh, Memorial Cup MVP, excuse me, MVP, William DeFour, a member of the St. John's Sea Dogs, the host uh, team, right winger, uh, he was, he's 20 years old, so he's in his final year of junior eligibility. He's got really good size. He's 6'3", 205. He's got a great shot. His shot is, is bread and butter. Yeah, he's a, he's a shooter and a goal scorer. He was selected in the 2020 NHL draft by the New York Islanders late in the fifth round, 152nd overall. And uh, he's he's jumped around a little bit in the league. Uh, skating has been a bit of a concern for, for him, but uh, he didn't look very slow out there to me in the Memorial Cup. Uh, he was the Quebec MVP for the regular season, scoring 56 goals, which was the most of all the leagues. Uh, next closest was... Um, the OHL, Luke Evangelista had 55, and uh, King in the dub had 52. So he had 56 goals and 60 assists 
for 116 points. The big guy racked up 40 penalty minutes. Um, you know, he's he's too valuable to be roughing it up and spending too much time in the penalty box. Uh, but you can expect that when he gets into higher levels, his offensive totals, which were gigantic this season, those will come way down and expect his hits and penalty minutes numbers to, to drive up. Uh, in the playoffs, <clears throat> as I said, they lost in, in the second round. So, uh, you know, he only played five games, so that's less than two rounds worth. So he would have been injured, I suppose. I didn't watch their playoffs. But he had four points, two points, two goals and two assists for four points. In the Memorial Cup, he played every game, four games, and he had seven goals and one assist for eight points. That's two points a game for those keeping score. Now, uh, four of those goals came in one game. He had a four-goal outburst in a game where they were facing elimination um, against, I can't remember who, and I think they were down a couple of goals, and he just decided that they were going to win and outscored the opposition single-handedly. The Dauber Prospects Guide, which I mentioned earlier, uh, has William DeFore in there, of course. He is the New York Islanders' top prospect for multi-category fantasy leagues. Uh, he's His comparison for the NHL uh, is Tom Wilson, and the Dauber Prospects' uh, upside forecast for him. And then keep in mind, the upside forecast is yeah, if everything goes well for this guy, this is, this is what you could possibly be looking at as a best-case scenario. And we're looking at 30 goals, 40 assists, and 70 points with 100 penalty minutes and 250 hits. That would be amazing. Uh, He will be heading to the American Hockey League. His NHL ETA is 2024-25 campaign. So maybe that's a player, if you're in multi-cat leagues that are deep, that's a guy who, being a fifth-round pick, could be sliding under the radar with a low... Uh, ownership. He might be available in your leagues. He might be someone you want to try and stash away on your prospect bench, and uh, and just kind of keep an eye and see how you know being big and, and dominating at 20 years old in in junior hockey isn't uncommon. And what is uncommon is for those players to to carry that over all the way up to the NHL level. So you know he's a bit of a long shot, but uh, you know if you can sign him as a free agent or uh, trade him. Acquire him in a trade for for not too much would be a great a great ad. Not a blue chip prospect like my next guy, Mason McTavish, Hamilton Bulldogs. He's uh, 19 years old, similar size. He's 6'1", 207, and he's a first round third overall selection by the Anaheim Ducks in 2021. Last year, sorry, this year, he started the season in the NHL. Um, he played the nine games. He had three points in the NHL. He also, in that span, had a cup of coffee in the American Hockey League, played three games, had two points. Uh, ultimately, he was returned to Junior, uh, who the, the Peterborough Peets owned his rights from the previous season. Uh, shortly after he returned, they facilitated a trade to Hamilton. His combined stats from the OHL this season was 29 regular season games played because he started the season pro hockey and uh, he took a break for the uh, World Juniors and he took a break for the Olympics as well. 
so in only 29 games, he managed to score 20 goals and 27 uh, assists for 47 points. In the playoffs, Hamilton played 19 games. That's all it took for them to win. So that means they had like three sweeps before they got to the final and they played, I think they went seven games in the final against Windsor. And uh, in 19 games, he had 16 goals and 13 assists for 29 points. He's just, he was just unstoppable. Uh, in the Memorial Cup, he played five games, six goals, two assists for eight points. And as I mentioned, he played for Canada at the Olympics and he had a point in five games there against, you know, NHL competition. He's uh, the Dauber Prospects Guide has him ranked as Anaheim's top prospect, their top sniper, their number one uh, forward for fantasy points only, as well as their top prospect for multi-category uh, the comparison for him is Jamie Benn, and the upside forecast is 40 goals, 40 assists, 80 points, and 80 penalty minutes as well. He's a center, so he'll stash you uh, some face-off wins as well. Uh, count on him to deliver a decent amount of hits, but not an egregious amount. Uh, he's just got a wicked release. His one-timer is deadly. He's NHL ready now. He's a player who's should be 100% Fantrax owned. So if you know if you've got them, yeah, I'm sure you're smiling listening to this. And if you don't have them, um, well, that's you're like me, and that's just too bad. So he'll be in the NHL, I think, next season, and I think he'll be potentially a, a contender for the Calder Trophy. But I don't think right away he'll put up the kind of points that you need to win the Calder. There might be some some prospects who have a little bit more pro seasoning. Um, but yeah, he's he's not uh, he's not out of the, the contest or competition. Okay, so next up we're gonna talk about a couple Schwinnigan players, the the Killer Bees, Xavier Beauregard and uh, Maverick Bork. So Xavier Burgo is 19 years old, he's six foot one seventy-two. The Edmonton Oilers selected him with their first uh, first round pick in 2021, that was about 22nd overall. Uh, he has been lighting up the queue for a few seasons now. Uh, this season he had 43 games, 36 goals, 39 assists for 75 points. And in the playoffs, he had uh, 22 points in 16 games. And in seven points in the Memorial Cup in just four games, two goals and five assists. So this is a this is a, a player that Edmonton is obviously very very high on. Um, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan, you might be upset that they selected him instead of Jesper Waldstadt based on organizational need. But I think you're going to get over that pretty quickly once uh, Edmonton fans start seeing this guy in their roster. He's a versatile player. You know, he could play up and down your your roster. He can. He has value in a bottom six role because he's he's a two way guy, uh, but he's also got the uh, sneaky release shot, good IQ, um, great puck skills. He's a good skater, so he can play up in your top six as well. He's a center slash winger. Uh, the Dauber Prospect Guide lists his comparable as Matt Duchesne, and they're forecasting 40, 40, 80 points for him as well. He's a blue chip prospect draft as soon as possible. He's the Edmonton Oilers' top sniper. 
Uh, he is their top fantasy upside forward, and he's their, their top prospect in points-only league. And he and Bork were the Schoenigan line. Schoenigan won the uh, came. Sorry, they made it to the final. They didn't win, but uh, those two killer bees uh, were were just unstoppable. Sometimes, um, you know, they're reading off each other, uh, both looking NHL ready. So let's talk about um, Maverick Bork. Uh, he is 20 years old. Also, he's 5'10", 185. So you know, slightly short, but he's not a, a thin or weak player by, by any means. And the Dallas Stars selected him in 2020 in the first round at 30th overall. He was the Q's playoff MVP, scoring 25 points in 16 games en route to a championship there. Uh, in the regular season, he only played 31 games, uh, 20 goals, 48 assists for 68 points. That's 2.19 points per game. He dominated and was a driver on that line with uh, Borgart. Um, he played in some NHL in the lockout, and he looked good there. He's basically a player who I think is, is NHL ready now. Uh, the challenge for him with Dallas will be cracking the roster, so he might go to the American Hockey League to start. Uh, don't be surprised if he gets a recall, or even, quite frankly, just makes the Stars lineup out of training camp. He, he, I think he's that good. Uh, the Dauber Prospect Guide has his NHL comparable as Travis Konechny, and they're forecasting 35, 45, 80 points for him. It's another blue-chip prospect that we recommend drafting as soon as possible. All right, so another... This is an interesting player. Uh, his name is Arbor Jacki, and the way you spell his name is A-R-B-E-R. -E so far, so good. But the last name is, is spelled X-H-E-K-A-J. And somehow you get Jack Eye out of that. I spoke about him on uh, a previous uh, episode talking about uh, Montreal Canadiens' top prospects, episode 119, with uh, Habs expert Amy Johnson. Uh, we dove into Arbor Jack Eye quite a little bit. But uh, to save you going back and listening to that episode while you're here, he's 21 years old, so he's an overage player in junior. And he's a monster. He's six foot four, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Uh, he was actually never drafted in the Ontario Hockey League. He just was a, a walk-on tryout, uh, made the Kitchener Rangers, um, and then was invited to Montreal Canadiens um, rookie camp uh, in twenty twenty-one, and uh, they extended. Uh, an invitation to their regular camp, and then he was signed uh, in October of 2021 to an NHL contract. Uh, so, you know, just because you're never drafted doesn't mean you'll never make it. But uh, what we're looking at here is and he's a, a hometown player, too. He's a Hamilton native, and so Hamilton won the OHL championship. So that was pretty cool to see him win that. So a little bit more about where he came up in 2019-20 season with Kitchener. He played 51 games, um, and I guess this was kind of his breakout season. It's the one that got him on some scouts' radars. Um, so he played 51 games. He had uh, six goals and 17 points and 88 penalty minutes. 
So the, the, the pims really pop out at you there. In the lockout 2021, or not lockout, pandemic season of 2021, he did not play. The start of this season in Hamilton 21-22, sorry, in Kitchener, and then shortly after was, was traded to Hamilton. His total points stat line for the regular season this year was 51 games, 34 points with 12 goals, 84 penalty minutes, and he was a plus 37. So he really started to, you know, exert his will on the game. And for a big guy, he moves around pretty well. And he's not a burner or anything like that. But skating is not a liability with him. And he's got a long reach with his stick. uh, And he's big and strong. And he was really able to exploit that at the OHL level. He played a ton of minutes. Was Hamilton's number one defenseman along with Nathan Steos. The two of them were were just uh, lights out good. Uh, In the playoffs, 18 games, 16 points, 50 penalty minutes, plus 15. And in his five games in the Memorial Cup, uh, he didn't score a goal, but he had five assists, so five points. Uh, You know, I think there's an appetite in the NHL for the throwback defenseman. For a long time now, we've seen a trend where size didn't really matter, and what was all that was important was defensemen could skate and create offense transitionally, right? Like get the puck back in the defensive zone and then turn it around, make a, make a smart stretch pass or skate it out or whatever. Lead the rush, join the rush, and run a power play and not be a liability defensively. So you didn't need to be 6'4", 205 pounds for that. But I think there's an appetite coming back right now, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, where NHL teams want a couple of defensemen on their blue line that have that element of their game of being, you know, north of of 6'2", north of 200 pounds, can be mean and physical. I mean, you watch the NHL playoffs and, uh, you know, the referees put the whistle away and and it it lends to that type of game. And if you don't have a player like that on your roster, it can be a little bit challenging sometimes. Um, Now, they want a player that's 6'5", 204 pounds, and mean, but he has to be able to skate and do all those other things as well. You know, they they can't just be one-dimensional defensive defensemen. They have to be able to do more than just glassing out when they get the puck in the defensive zone. Um, Now, does Arborjack, I have that kind of offensive upside? I'm not too sure about that. I mean, he's got a really heavy shot. Uh, but he doesn't have much offensive vision now. I still think he's got NHL upside. I mean, Montreal signed him to a contract. He's played his overage season, so he's going pro. Uh, and he'll play for Laval next season for sure. Uh, so that'll be something interesting to keep an eye on is when his size, weapon, and advantage that he really exploited masterfully last season in the OHL, when that is mitigated playing pro hockey in the American Hockey League, where players are often, you know, they're all going to be the same age or older. Uh, They're all going to be strong and good skaters. Um, You know, will he be able to still be dominant defensively and will he be effective creating uh, transition? That remains to be seen. However, I think it's definitely worth uh, an investment if you're in a multi-category fantasy league because he could just be a monster where he gets the NHL and, you know, he He's good enough to, to play at the NHL level, and he's going to block a ton of shots. He's going to deliver a ton of hits, and he's going to rag up a 
boatload of penalty minutes, not unlike Radko Gudas. Uh, the next player is Ryan Winterton. So this is a 18-year-old. Uh, he has another year of, of junior hockey coming up. He was drafted in 2021 by Seattle in the third round, 67th overall. Another guy with good size, 6'2", 190. Uh, the 2021 season, he did not play in the OHL, of course. Uh, so this is his draft year. He played in the U18s, seven games there with uh, Canada en route to a gold. Played in a, in a defensive, physical, energy, shutdown, checking kind of role. But he had four points in seven games. This season, he only played 37 games. You know, he had some injuries. Uh, he had 20 goals and 26 assists for 46 points in 37 games on Hamilton, which is, you know, a pretty loaded team. Played 18 games in the playoffs, had 19 points, five games in the Memorial Cup with three goals and three assists for six points. Uh, so I, I think he's a, going to be projecting as a potentially a complementary offensive player. Uh, middle six kind of range. I don't see him um, even in Seattle making their their top six. Uh, but he does do a very good job of driving pucks to the net. He's got a good shot. He's a good net front presence. He uses his size and and power to, like I said, dro- put the shoulder, drop the shoulder, drive to the net, get pucks on goal. Uh, he does have a good shot, and he's a pretty good two way player. Um, Hamilton's coach said uh, just recently on Twitter that he was playing with an injury, uh, so it's suspecting that he will miss the this August Summer World Junior Championships for Canada. He might even be a little bit late coming back to start the season. He was late starting this season, so that's starting to raise a little bit of a red flag about him potentially being a uh, Band-Aid boy. Another player I want to talk about from Hamilton, and this guy really impressed me. That's Logan Morrison. Uh, he is the assistant captain for the Bulldogs. He's 19 years old. He's six foot oh, uh, 180 pounds. And in the 1920 season was his draft year. He had um, 59 games played, 23 goals, 22 assists, 45 points. You know, good, not bad, not great. Didn't get drafted. Last year, did not play. There was no OHL for him to play in. So he didn't get drafted in his uh, draft plus one season. This will be his draft plus two season, if I'm not mistaken. And this year, he popped. He had 60 games, 34 goals, and 66 assists for a 100-point season. That's 1.67 points per game. He was the OHL playoff MVP, leading Hamilton to a championship scoring 39 points in 19 games, 2.05 points per game. Very consistent offensive producer. Played five games in the Memorial Cup, had eight points there, really drove the offense for the Bulldogs. Uh, His NHL hockey IQ is... Uh, his sorry, his hockey IQ I think is is NHL ready now. He's got really great offensive upside. Now in his draft year, he was kind of dubbed as as undersized, but I think he's kind of grown out of that now. He's you know he's six foot one eighty, so I wouldn't consider that to be undersized. He does not play a very aggressive physical game, but when you watch him get the puck on the power player in the offensive zone, 
he's very calculated in what he does. He makes really good, deceptive, quick, short-range moves, quick touch passes to create time and space and, and opening and availability. And he scans the ice very well. And all of a sudden, you know, he'll be shifting left and right, making quick little passes from the half wall down to the behind the net. And then all of a sudden, he makes this brilliant stretch pass across the ice the defenseman pinching in from the other side for an easy tap in that's the kind of game that you're going to get from logan morrison and uh so he's going to be draft eligible for 2022 he did not make my first round uh but he did make uh my rankings uh and i have him in at 60th overall which is kind of high uh, the only other person that had him that I could see ranked higher than me was Craig Button, who has him at 49th. Uh, and lots of respect for Mr. Button's rankings. Um, so anyways, Logan Morrison, a player, uh, it'd be very interesting to see where he's drafted in the 2022 draft coming up. I'm hoping for his sake that he gets drafted by a team like Arizona or Seattle, teams that have multiple, multiple picks, could uh, roll the dice on a guy who's a little bit more developed uh, and fast-track him into their organization, um, into the American Hockey League, and possibly into the NHL sooner than later, based on how shallow and and deep, uh, not deep, their prospect pools are. All right, so those are the top prospects that I wanted to talk about in detail from the Memorial Cup. There were some other really good prospects there that, um, that stood out to me as well. Uh, a couple of Calgary Flames defensemen playing for the Sea Dogs, uh, Jeremy Poirier. Uh, he played four games, had three points. Really good offensive defenseman, uh, like just very, very dangerous offensively. Plays like a forward. Some of the knocks on on his game or concerns have been: uh, is he a liability defensively? And I think he's come a long way in addressing those concerns. Uh, and he's a player I think could be. Uh, um, Fantasy relevant very soon. Yan Kuznetsov uh, started the season playing pro hockey and then was returned to to junior, mainly, I think, because the Sea Dogs were hosting the Memorial Cup, so they knew that he would get a lot of really good, valuable games and, and uh, experience. Physical defenseman, not as offensive as Poirier, but definitely brings the hammer. Uh, matched Poirier in points in the Memorial Cup, though. Uh, three points in four games. They both had a goal and two assists. Another really strong defenseman who I think is going to be contending for uh, NHL job in the in the very near future is Montreal Canadiens prospect Caden Gooley, who played for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Three points in three games. The Oil Kings didn't really fare very well in the tournament. Um, they were the first team eliminated, uh, but you know Caden Gooley brings it all. You know he's. He's got the size, he's got the, the defensive game, he's a shutdown defenseman, and he also drives the play offensively. Um, there's just nothing to not like about his game, and I, I think he could turn out to be a real horse on the blue line for Montreal. Montreal also had Jan Misak uh, playing with Hamilton. He's a forward, center winger. Uh, two points in five games there for him, uh, so I saw him play quite a bit in the OHL playoffs too. Um, you know, he was a, he was a good supplementary offensive player for them wasn't on their main line with Morrison or McTavish um, but you know when those guys weren't getting it done you gotta like look down your roster and, and find someone on another line that can score for you or score a big goal and Yad Mishak scored a number of, of important goals for Hamilton on the way 
Uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, I kind of want to touch on Jake Neighbors. Uh, <clears throat> he's a St. Louis Blues prospect, and I'm just in love with this guy. You know, he's he's a rugged winger. He plays a really gritty, um, mean offense, uh, physical game. He's got good offensive upside as well, and I think he's another player who could be looking at a job in the NHL as soon as next season. All right, so that's the Memorial Cup. Uh, let's take this in a different direction and talk about the 2022 NHL Draft. It's coming up in less than a week's time, and I'll be there. I'm leaving in a couple of days. I'll be going on a couple other podcasts uh, to talk about some of my favorite prospects from it. Uh, so let's just go through my rankings. Now, my rankings are not fantasy-based, but I put an emphasis on that in some cases. Um, so I like players who have a good NHL certainty and upside. I also put a little bit of value on um, players who I think can provide physicality. Um, so, you know, I'm looking at, most importantly, hockey uh, sense or hockey IQ and skating ability. If you don't have those two things, the deck is the deck is really stacked against you to make it to the NHL. So those are my top two categories when when looking at prospects. Um, then I look at you know what, what's their skill level. I like offensive upside. You know you can find a whole bunch of players who can play defense and, and grind games down to a halt, but there's a premium on players who can put the puck in the net at, or who can facilitate facilitate other players putting the puck in the net. So those are some of the things that, that I look at most. Now, spoiler alert, I already mentioned it. I had Shane Wright, number one. Um, listen to my episode with Alan Admatsky. We, we kind of go over Shane Wright in, in detail. Why I like Shane Wright, number one, is, well, if you're looking at who's got the most offensive upside in this draft, is it Shane Wright or the field? I'll take the field. Thank you very much. But when I look at Shane Wright, we, we talk about the comparisons for him, and, and Patrice Bergeron is a name that, that comes up a lot. And as Alan and I mentioned, he is Bergeron is a first ballot Hall of Famer, right? He might never have scored a, 100 points in the NHL. And Shane Wright probably won't either. But if Shane Wright's career ends and he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, then I don't think you can really begrudge him being selected first overall. I think Shane Wright is NHL ready now. Um, I don't think he'll hit the ground running at the NHL if he makes the if Montreal drafts him first uh, and he makes the team in early October. Uh, you know, I think they'll they'll insulate him a little bit, um, but he won't he won't be sheltered. He'll he's his game is is very reliable defensively. I think it'll take him a little bit of time to adapt to having this caliber of teammates he'll have in the NHL. Uh, he looked better at the U18s for Canada than he has in the OHL in, in league play. And Kingston had a pretty pretty stacked lineup offensively. You know, they had Martin Chromiak, Zade Wisdom, uh, Lucas Edmonds. Uh, so, you know, he had wingers to play with with the Frontenacs, uh, and he looked good with them. 
but they're and as good as their hockey sense is, you know, they're not NHL players. Uh, so when Shane Wright gets playing with guys who he can predict where they're going and, and they can they can play a system that's better as well. Uh, I think Shane Wright will not look out of place there. Now, my forecast for him this season would, would probably be uh, pretty modest, um, you know, maybe around the 30-point the range. But I think once once Montreal's development comes along, uh, you're going to find Shane Wright being a, a first-line center there. Uh, and if he's your second-line center, then that means he's playing behind someone excellent, you know, like, you don't begrudge uh, Leon Dreisaitl or Getty Malkin for not being first-line centers on their teams, that kind of thing. Um, so I have Shane Wright ranked number one. Uh, my top three was very tight. Number two, I went with Uri Slavkovsky. Now, comparing my rankings to um, who I consider to be the best in the business would be Bob McKenzie. Now, Bob's rankings are... A little bit of his own opinion, I think, but a lot of he polls NHL scouts and gets their rankings uh, because, you know, that those are trade secrets, but Bob's been in the business for so long and he's got trust and reputation that they share them with him. So basically, Bob's rankings tend to be a consensus of what NHL scouts think. Not necessarily what that scout's team will do, but what that particular scout thinks. Uh, and he had Slavkovsky number one uh, ahead of Shane Wright. So we had our top two picks flipped. Uh, Slavkovsky probably going to play and, and check again for one more season. But when he comes to the NHL, probably the year after that, um, you know, you're going to be looking at a, a big, strong, man sized power winger, goal scorer, lit up the Olympics with uh, scoring and, and looked great at the World Championship as well. Uh, so there's a lot to get excited about for Slavkovsky. Uh, number three on my list, Logan Cooley, top-ranked player coming out of the States, National Team Development Plan um, program, sorry. Uh, Bob has him ranked three also. Uh, I went over in detail with him, uh, with uh, Pete Krupski, and, you know, this is a player who who could have the most offensive upside in, in the NHL draft. Uh, he's got... Great vision, and he, his compete level is, is very good. He'll be heading to the University of Minnesota, so not uh, not going to be in the NHL immediately. So that kind of also helped slot him in at three out of my, my top three rankings there. Um, I think Slavkowski and Wright could both be in the NHL right away, but Logan Cooley's not going to be. He's going to be playing the NCAA. Probably a one and done, so you know it's not like you're gonna have to wait forever for this guy, but there could be a wait there. Uh, fourth on on my list was David Yurichek, big right shot defenseman. Uh, injury slowed his season down a little bit, uh, but there was a lot of hype going into the season for him, and you know I I caught some some games and clips and videos of him before the season started as well, and I was like, oh my god, this guy's gonna be great. Um, you know, so he had a little bit of a, a disappointing season, but that's mainly mainly because of injury. You know, he's got size, mobility, he's got a heavy shot, um, he's got some offensive upside as well. So those are, he's got the whole package, right? Right shot defenseman with all of those attributes, what's not to like. He's got all the tools that NHL, NHL teams 
uh, dream of adding to their blue line. Um, Bob had him at sixth. So the two top ranked defensemen were Arnemich and Juracek. And uh, I gave my edge to Juracek. It was slightly over Simon Nemich, another right shot defenseman. Uh, you know, everything to like about his game as well. Not many can match the, the size and all-around game that he brings. Um, I think his offensive upside uh, may be unmatched in this draft class from the back end. Uh, he's got great hockey sense, vision, and passing ability. Those are all NHL-ready now skills. Um, so, you know, Bob likes Nemich over, over your check. Uh, number six on my list Going back to the national team development program, you're going to see, hear a lot of names from the NTDB on my list. Um, so I really like Cutter Goche. He's big, he's strong, he's skilled, he can play wing, he thinks he can play center. Um, so he projects as a versatile and impactful player, both offensively and, and physically. Uh, Bob's got him ranked fifth, so he actually split the Nemec Juracek D package and put Goche right in the middle. Um, you know, I've I already posted my final rankings, but if I could do it again, I would actually put him a bit ahead of both of those defensemen. I would rank Goche fourth. I'm really high on him. Uh, he really stood out and was dominant at the U18s. He really impressed me there. Uh, he scored, uh, you know, nine points in six games there. He's headed to Boston College. Um, he compares himself to Austin Matthews. You know, he likes to play like Austin Matthews. I'm not sure if I, if I see that sort of similarity. I think he plays a little bit more aggressively and physically than Matthews does. And I think Matthews has, uh, you know, better shot and, and hockey sense. Um, but I mean, Hey, if you're, if you're just a, a couple of steps down from Matthews, that's last time I looked, that was pretty good. So number seven on my list and Bob's as well is, uh, Joachim Kemmel, uh, the right winger, playing in Liga, projected to be potentially the best goal scorer in this draft. Uh, he has got uh, some kind of lopsided stats. You know, he's a Cy Young kind of guy. He's got way more goals than assists. That's that's a bit of a red flag for me. It makes me wonder what their hockey sense is like. Uh, so you can score a lot of goals. So you've got a great shot. That's good. You you know, you've, you've probably got some deception, quick release, very accurate, hard and quick. And the, that... Those skills will allow you to score a lot of goals at the junior level. It might not translate super well to the pro level if you don't have the the smarts and the reads to um, you know play with your teammates, get get some assists, find open ice, um, and so on and so forth. Uh, injuries in the second half of the second season took some uh, some of the wind out of his sales and draft stock, uh, but I still have him ranked seven. I think you know the skill level is 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 very good. Uh, number eight on my list um, is Frank Nazar. Um, Bob has him way down at 15, so he and I don't see eye to eye on this one. Uh, so, but I find that the Nazar skating report, uh, report reads a lot like Logan Cooley's. Uh, they're both a little undersized, they're speedy, uh, they're very smart. He's an offensive dynamo, he thinks the game fast. Uh, he has hands and feet to match. Um, you know, uh, on my re previous episode with uh, Pete Krupski, he says he, he reminds him a little bit of uh, Matt Barzell. 
another really favorable comparison. Um, number nine on my list is a guy who I, I'm personally really high on. I probably have him higher than a lot of other people. Bob has him ranked 24th, but I got him ranked 9th, and that's Denton Matejchuk, left shot defenseman for the Moose Jaw Warriors. So this kid plays with NHL-level pace. Um, he reads the play. He's all over the ice. He's a bit of a rover out there. Um, he is very, very puck-hungry. He chases pucks down, and then when he gets them, he just drives them straight to the goal. You know, like that's a winger's job, kind of. Um, I think he's got the upside to be the one of the biggest offensive impact defensemen in this draft. And there's even a chance that he could be a multi-positional guy and play a, a little bit of wing at some point, or he could be converted to a wing. Um, anyways, he's a player that personally is one of my, my favorites. Number 10, I've got Jonathan Lacari Mackey. Uh, Bob's got him eight. Uh, he's another sniper, big time shooter, uh, lethal shot. He can light the lamp. Uh, he's, but he's got more elements to his game than just goal scoring, and, and that's what I like about him. Uh, you know, his, his bread and butter is definitely shot, though, but he's, he's a guy that's got top 10 upside. Or sorry, top 6 upside. Uh, he was actually just drafted in the CHL import draft late in the second round, um, but I'd be shocked if he came over to, uh, to play junior hockey in Canada. I mean, he played... J20 and SHL last season, he got good minutes in the SHL. So I feel like after playing, you know, good minutes in a men's pro league in your draft year to go to North America and take a step back and play junior hockey doesn't, doesn't make much sense to me. It'd be interesting to see what NHL team drafts him and what they want to see for him. That will have a lot of influence onto where he goes. So even if he's told CHL teams, I'm very open to coming over and playing in North America, um, you know, if he gets drafted by you know, the Philadelphia Flyers, they're like, no, no, you know, we want you to either play in the American Hockey League or stay in the SHL, um, then that will kibosh that. Number 11 on my list is one of the players who was uh, early ranked as a potential contender for first overall with Shane Wright, and that's Matthew Savoy. Savoy. Um, he had a solid draft season. Uh, his first full campaign in the dub, you know, he played a little bit as an as a underage player there, and then the pandemic season kind of cut short his what would have been his first full season. Uh, and he was a and he was an impact player on an All Star Winnipeg Ice roster. And he had ninety points. Um, the big concern in his game, though, is his size at 5'9", 180 pounds. Um, he was ranked ninth on Bob McKenzie's list, so he had him slightly higher than I had him. And he's a player that I think has. Uh, really good fantasy upside as well. You know, he's just a really crafty player. Uh, his brother's playing in the NCAA, um, Carter, and he's a goal scorer. Um, but Matt's a little bit more rounded than that. Um, the undersized thing, that's not necessarily always a concern with me, as you know from listening to this podcast. You know, 5'9 is not too small. 180 pounds isn't too light either. Um, but you know, I've, I've seen some, some clips of his games and his head's not always up. He got rocked, uh, 
earlier and, and was missing time with a concussion. Um, you know, it was kind of Eric Lindros, Scott Stevens, reminiscent going over the blue line, looking at the puck, and next thing you know, he was looking at the ceiling, um, wondering where he was. Uh, so that can be a bit of a concern. Uh, my 12th ranked player, a bit of a wild card, Daniela Yurov, Russian player. So he's certainly got the talent to be inside my top 10. Um, but, you know, he's likely going to slip on draft day, and he slipped on my Ross rankings a little bit as well, mainly because of the Russian factor. Um, I guess the question is, how far has he slide? Um, you know, he's, his usage in the KHL was limited. Uh, it would have been nice to see him play in North America and in the CHL and get some good minutes. Um, but you got to wonder what's, how long is it going to be before he can get out of Russia and, and come to North America if he's even interested. Um, Mackenzie had him ranked pretty similar. He had him at 14. My 13th ranked player is Connor Geeky. That's exactly where Mackenzie has him. Uh, another player from the Winnipeg Ice, uh, that stacked team. He's a bit bigger though. He's 6'4", 205. So he's got great size. He's got great skill. Um, 70 points in 63 games in his draft year here. Um, the knock on him, I mean, he could be a, a Ryan Getzlaff kind of impact player. What he needs to to improve on to get there is his skating. That has been the knock on on his file his whole career. Uh, I listened to an interview with, with him on uh, another podcast, the Draft Cast with Adam Kimmelman and Mike Morial. And uh, Geeky was saying that he thinks it's it, it, his improved skating is the most underrated aspect of his game. Um, so if he thinks that his skating has, has improved enough that it's no longer below NHL average, then then this is a player. And if you believe that, then I think you probably move him up your rankings and, and slip him in the top 10 in there somewhere. Next player on my list is a guy I love, uh, Yager Furkus. Probably too high, being 14th on my list, uh, but he is one of the more electric players to watch. He's got an NHL-ready caliber shot right now. Uh, he put that on display at the top prospects game where he ripped a nice uh, a nice shot. Uh, he scored the Michigan uh, goal this season. So he's a top six offensive winger kind of upside. He's got some highlight real skills why he's probably going to be further down on a lot of other people's list and Bob doesn't even have him inside his first round he's got him ranked 34th is he's 5 foot 10 154 soaking wet and holding bricks very undersized so if he's not scoring goals you got to question what is he doing but i mean he's 18 years old and i think he's got time to grow and um i don't think his defensive game is that big of a liability uh so you know Alex Brinkett was kind of a similar player, uh, similar size, went in the second round, and if he redid his draft, he would be a first-round pick all day long. So, uh, you know, nuts to the size. I've got Yager Furkus in my in my first round at 14th. Uh, 15th overall, I went with left shot D, Kevin Korczynski from Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, I guess he's one of the more complete defenders in this draft. He's got skies. He skates well. Um, you know, skating is is NHL level now. Uh, he excels at transitional offense. Um, how good is he in his own end is the question. Uh, that's gotten better in his draft season, and you like to see players 
develop and, and improve whatever all the elements of their game, but especially their deficiencies. Uh, and Korczynski did that, so, you know, credit to him. Um, Bob has him, <clears throat> excuse me, ranked 11th, so he's got him a little higher. I think he's maybe a little bit of a polarizing defensive prospect. Some guys have him high, some guys have him low. I think I have him probably on the low side compared to the average. Uh, next up, I go 16th overall. I like back to the NTDP program, uh, Rutger McGrady. He'll be going to uh, Michigan, play college hockey there. Uh, you know, he's a lot like Cutter Goche. Uh, he's got size, he's got skill, he's got good hockey sense. He's a net front presence. Um, you know, he's he's a plays a big physical mean game sometimes too uh his two-way game is probably better than goche's his offensive game maybe not quite as refined um his skating isn't isn't as as the same level either which is why i have him further down uh but you know listen to the ntdb uh episode i did just recently with pete krupski he says he reminds him a lot of one of the kachuk brothers that got my attention uh that is a, a very good comparison uh for especially for banger leagues fantasy leagues uh bob mckenzie had him ranked 27th so it sounds like the skating is maybe a little bit more of a concern than i thought but you know luke robitaille was um critiqued really hard for for his skating ability uh and before alex Ovechkin came along luke robitaille ended up being the uh the top scoring left winger in nhl history so uh, you know, skating is something that you can correct. Hockey sense is a little bit harder to fix. Um, you know, being five foot six is harder to fix, but uh, you know, you can learn how to skate. Uh, number seventeenth, I go with Liam Ogren, one of the scouting community's darlings. Um, he plays the game with a lot of pace and urgency. Some Charlie Hustle, I like to call it. You know, I like that. Uh, he does it all. Kit does everything well. Skates well. He's got a good shot. He's smart. He drives plays. He's responsible defensively. Uh, he can play a physical game as well. Um, so he's a player who, who might be a sleeper. Um, that if you do this redraft, you know, five years from now, you might have him inside the top ten or or even as far as uh, the the top five. Uh, Bob's got him lower than me. He's got him at twenty one, so not too far down the list. But uh, someone to keep an eye on, potentially a. Uh, you know, a good sleeper there. I guess you can call a first-round pick a sleeper. 18th, back to the NTD, uh, right-shot defenseman Ryan Chesley. This is a player who has um, come on strong in the second half of the season. Um, he's a big-time riser. Uh, he has uh, good size. He plays a two-way game. He's a strong skater with good hockey sense. Um you know, what he reminds me of this year is Jake Sanderson in his draft year. You know, on the radar, potential first round kind of maybe, um, you know, and then as the season wore on, you know, people marveled at, you know, hey, his skating's really good. You know, oh, he's not a liability defensively at all. And oh, hey, look at that. His offensive game is really developing and coming along this year. And then whoop, before you know it. You know, he's, he's ranked really high in the draft. So I think Ryan Chesley is kind of like a, a Jake Sanderson light, perhaps. I have him ranked 18th. Bob McKenzie's got him at 25th. So I'm a little bit more bullish on Chesley than, than Bob. And 
the scouting community, I guess. Uh, 19th, Pavel Mintikayev, left shot defenseman from the OHL Saginaw Spirit. Uh, talk about uh, Romer defenseman. This guy's kind of all over the ice. Russian import. I had a fantastic draft year in the OHL with Saginaw. You know, 62 points, and Saginaw was, was not a very good team. 62 points in 67 games as a defenseman on a bad team. You have to take notice of that. Um, he's got big upside. He's got decent size. He's a really good skater. Uh, still a little bit raw, though, is what you're looking at. And, you know, he's going to need some some really good coaching. So whoever drafts him... Depending on you know what what is their draft and development history like? Are they good at you know if he gets drafted by Edmonton that moves him down on my prospect ranking list? Um, you know if he's drafted by Detroit that moves him up kind of thing. Uh, so he needs some development to, to put it all together. Uh, but I have him ranked nineteenth and he's ranked as high as twelfth on Bob McKenzie's list. So you know. I guess I guess I'm disagreeing with Bob on that one. Number 20, I go Isaac Howard, National Team Development Program again. Isaac's going to NCAA as well. Minnesota Duluth is where he'll be heading. Um, he actually led the NTTB team in scoring last season, outscoring all the other guys who ranked ahead of him. So the question you're asking is, is how come he's not the top-ranked player? Well... He's 5'10", and he lacks some defensive awareness. And he's a little bit a little bit soft, a little bit weak. Uh, his offensive upside, bang on, though. Very, very good. Um, so you're going to be looking at a longer-term development plan here with Isaac Howard. He'll be needing to figure out the other side of the puck. He'll need to commit a little bit more to his defensive side. And, you know, NCAA, he'll get a lot of time in the gym to lift some weight so if he can do those things um you know you you could have a, a player here um uh, we both have him ranked 20 bob mckenzie and i on our lists number 21 i go with another uh, american teammate there jimmy snuggerood uh he's a power forward uh he plays a really physical and gritty game he's your you know brad marchand brennan gallagher winger kind of pest Good offense can can play a kind of dirty, gritty game, greasy game. Uh, he can drop the gloves as well, um, and he can score and drive pucks to the net. So you know, this he he brings a, a lot of elements that I really like. Uh, Bob has him ranked seventeenth. I have him ranked twenty first. Twenty two. I go Marco Casper. This is one I'm I'm starting to think I might be a little bit late on with this file. He's an eighteen year old playing in the SHL. Playing pro hockey against grown men, getting a regular shift, good time on ice, looking good while doing so. Um, you know, he plays a pro-ready game. Um, also drafted in the CHL, and here's a player who I think also this would be a step backwards for him, but he was a first-round pick by the Ottawa 67s. So that'll be interesting to see where he plays next season. Again, the NHL team that drafts him will have a lot to say about that. But, I mean, this is one of the players who a lot of people think could be one of the more NHL-ready players in this draft. Could even have a shot, depending on who picks him, at playing in the NHL next year um, with, a, with a good camp on a shallow team like Seattle, for example. Although I don't think Seattle would be in a hurry to, to rush their players 
into the NHL. And Bob McKenzie has him ranked 10th. So there's an example of why I think I might be a little late to the party on this guy. But uh, it'd be very interesting to see not only when he's drafted, but by who drafts him and where he plays next season. So keep your eyes open on that one. 23, another one of my personal favorites, another national team development program player, defenseman, left shot D, Lane Hudson. Didn't get ranked in Bob's first round. In fact, he's only 40th overall by McKenzie, but I got him 23rd. So with Hudson, you know, he's one of the smartest and most offensively dynamic players in the draft at any position. He's also one of the shortest and smallest players in the draft. Uh, if you don't think size matters, then this is a guy that you want to draft sooner than later. Uh, if you do think size matters, then don't touch him with the for pole. So I guess a bit of a boomer bust player here. But his hockey IQ, his compete level, and his skill level, I think, overcome any, any height deficiencies that he has. Um, listen to Chris Peters' podcast as well. Uh, talking hockey sense uh, he mentions him in the last couple episodes he's also super high on him um, for the same reasons that I like him uh, he says he's got a you know a, a very smart active stick he's a very effective defender um, you know I think about Nick Lidstrom and how he wasn't the biggest most physical defenseman but because he was so smart and such a good skater and such an active stick uh, and then he was able to outsmart the offensive play and and was one of the more effective defensemen of all time so i'm not comparing lane hudson to to nick listrom here i don't think he's going to win you know a half a dozen norris trophies necessarily uh, i'm just saying that making the comparison that you don't need to be that big in order to be that effective defensively. And when I watch, you know, when I see Lane Hudson play, that's I, those are some some things that I notice that he doesn't have to be that big to be that effective. Uh, so the 24th ranked player I have on my list is, is an interesting one. Ivan Miroshenchenko, uh, the Russian left winger, would be a much higher ranked prospect had he been, you know, able to play healthy all season and, and not have... Um, you know, I think it's non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or something like that that he's got. It's a pretty significant uh, life-threatening disease that he's that he's got. And, uh, you know, he's getting treatment for it. It sounds like things are going well. And, you know, he's getting those treatments in Germany. So he was at the U18, uh, not participating in the, in the U18s, but um, but he was around. Uh, so some, some writers and scouts and players had a chance to, you know, chat with him and whatnot. And it sounds like things are going well. So there are two big strikes on his file that keep him out of the top 10 and potentially out of the first round, and that is obviously his his health condition, and the other one is his passport. Being a Russian player in the political landscape these days, it's just hard to, 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 with any confidence, understand when when you can expect that player, even if he's healthy, to be able to come over and, and play in North America. Uh, but, you know, with the skill and the upside that he has kind of demands that he's a first round pick especially for some of these teams that have multiple first round selections uh you know if you only have the one pick it'd be a little bit tricky to go all in and gamble on a player who uh who might never come over or could take a long time to come over um but if you have multiple picks then you know you could 
you can lock one down earlier and then roll the dice on on getting another top 10 pick in the bottom half of, of the draft with a guy like this. Um, interesting to note that he was selected in the CHL import draft last weekend in the queue by uh, Blaineville Armada. So perhaps they have uh, some potential insight or assurances that you know, once he's healthy, he's, he's coming. Uh, if that be this upcoming season or the one after remains to be seen or, or either or neither, uh, they could just be rolling the dice and taking a, taking a big swing. Um, I'd be interesting to see uh, which NHL team drafts him, where he's drafted, and then where he plays next season. I think, uh, you know, any team that drafts him in the first round would, would be, I would think, uh, in the camp of encouraging him to, to get out of Russia and come over to North America and play lots of minutes in the CHL as opposed to uh, middling away uh, on the bench in the KHL. Uh, 25th pick, I have Owen Pickering. Now, a lot of people might have him higher on their lists because of a lot of good reasons. He's got, you know, projectable size. He's uh, got some offensive upside. Uh, he's big riser in this year's draft. Um, and I think he's uh, he's got a lot of development to go still. I think he's pretty raw at this point. And that's, you know, that's okay for an NHL draft. NHL teams are, are okay to be willing to draft players that might be a little bit more long-term project, uh, as long as they have a lot of potential in it and a good upside. Um, and his development is, is just getting started, really. I mean, he's had a, a real riser at the scouting combine. Uh, he seemed just really surprised and happy to be there uh gives you an idea of, of what his expectation for this draft season were that he would didn't think that he would be one of the hundred or so players invited to the the combine and now here he is not only invited to the combine but you know pretty widely a consensus first round uh pick in the nhl draft so he's coming out of the dub um where does where does Uncle Bob have him? He's got him ranked twenty third. I got him twenty fifth. So we're you know we're we're pretty much in the same wheelhouse there. Next up, player I really I really like uh, Yuri Kulich, uh, the Czechia player. Kind of struggled to produce a little bit in the pro league in the Czech that he played in this year. A little bit limited ice time there. Um, it's not as bad as the KHL with allowing eighteen year olds to play, but um, still a little bit sheltered. Uh, he dominated at the U18s. He had nine goals in six games there. Uh, so, you know, when you see him play in his peer group, he really stands out. Um, and he's another player that was selected in the CHL import draft, again in the queue, uh, by Cape Breton. So I'm really happy to see Yuri Kulich come over to... Uh, to North America and play some junior hockey in his D plus one season. Uh, he'll be drafted out of Europe. Uh, so all these players that are European and, and, and being drafted in the NHL draft, the fact that they're CHL import picks, uh, a little bit tricky with the rules here, but basically they, they can come over, play the next season in, in the CHL, and then they're not locked in to the CHL because they're NHL drafted out of Europe. Uh, so they can be one and done if they want and move on to the AHL if that's what their NHL team that drafts them thinks is best for their development, or they can stay and play another season in junior hockey, or they can go back 
to Europe and play pro hockey over there. Um, they really have a lot of options with what they can do, so they're in good positions. Uh, so <clears throat> Bob McKenzie has Kulich ranked 18th overall, and I have him ranked 26th. I'm kind of thinking that Bob was a little bit more spot on with his ranking there. Um, I think he's a player who um, once... If he comes over and, and plays in junior and starts um, scoring at a, a pretty prolific rate in North America, uh, his his prospect stock and fantasy stock uh, could take a pretty significant spike. Plus, players who do really well in international tournaments like the U18 and, and the uh, World Juniors, um, they get an increase or a spike in their trade value because a lot of people don't get much opportunity in North America here to watch Yuri Coolidge and European players play very much. And then they see them at the World Juniors, small sample size, they have a lights out tournament and they just kind of fall in love with them and they become must own players for them. And they're willing to spend perhaps more capital than, than what their prospect profile really warrants that they're worth. Um, so that's that's an interesting player to kind of, kind of keep an eye on and see where he gets drafted in each and where he plays next season. Coming in at 27, I got another Euro. This is Philip Messar, and um, where does Bob have him ranked? He's got him ranked 30th, so very close to where I have. Um, you know, some players at 5'10 and 175 are short, yeah, but they're strong. You know, they're not a small player. Some are. Some, you know, are Semyon Jorgenchensev kind of small. Um, but then some are, you know, a little bit more robust and don't have a problem going into the uh, into the gritty areas. Um, this is kind of the latter. His offensive skill set is is high, but um, he needs to go into the hard areas. It'd be harder to knock off the puck. Uh, I think to be a, a more impactful player uh, or play even at all at the the pro level, let alone the NHL. So his skill level on Messar is really good. Uh, definitely he can play in the uh, at pro levels and projects to be an NHL player by his skill level but I know a lot he reminds me a lot of of SDA with the Leafs where you know I watched him play with the Peets and I was like wow this kid's got some some silky mitts he can really dangle the puck um, has really good vision but he's super small and while I don't really discredit players because they're small unless they're small and they don't have escapability. They're not ahead of the play where um, you know they're hard to hard to hit or hard to catch. Uh, they're both kind of easy to uh, to box out physically, push off the puck. Um, they're a little bit reluctant to chase the puck into the into the corner and take a hit from a defenseman to make a play. They'll just they'll just give it up. Watch watch the defenseman go and and make the play and and the count on a teammate to to recover the puck and get it back to them and so on. So I'm not too high on, on Messar for that reason, but I still have to put him in my first round just, you know, hey, there's a chance that he grows a couple inches and there's a chance that he uh, hits the gym and, and eats some protein shakes and puts some pounds on and, and then is a little bit less timid. And I mean, he doesn't need to be a grinder. Uh, he just needs to have survivability. Uh, right now, I'm not, I'm not seeing that, but it's a potential. All right, 28th is uh, the most contentious player in this draft, and that would be Brad Lambert, uh, formerly pegged as a potential first overall pick, of course. Uh, he's really struggled 
for like two years now. You know, his D minus one season wasn't great, and, and this season he didn't really move the needle at all on his development. Um, had a had a trade mid season, and so everyone was excited that you know, okay, here we go. Now he's going to be on a new team, and we're going to see his offense spike, and that just didn't happen. Um, so he's barely a first round pick on my rankings and I really quite frankly toyed with the idea of, of leaving him off so what put him on is that he's got elite level skating uh, he's you know some people will say he's the best skating uh, forward or, or prospect in this draft and his skill level is bordering on the elite side too I mean he's just he's got really good puck control skills um, but the concerns with his game are the, the lack of development, the lack of consistency, a lack of compete, and some questionable hockey sense. And those are all really important <laughs> skills and attributes, I think, to, to be really successful. Um, so he's also uh, had his CHL rights uh, acquired in the import draft and was actually recently traded. So Saskatoon had selected him in, I believe, last year's import draft, and he was just recently traded to Seattle. So that tells me that um, he must be interested in coming to North America, just not playing for Saskatoon. Um, this is a player who I would absolutely love to come to North America and play some junior hockey. Now, much like... Um, Miroshenko or Kulich, he's a player who, coming out of Liga, going into junior could be conceived as a step backwards in his development, but I think his step backwards in his development was, was thrusting him into professional hockey before he was ready, like too soon. I think playing a season in junior hockey, in the case of Brad Lambert, um, would be uh, would be encouraged and, and good advice. Allow him to have a season where he can dominate and really gain some confidence. Um, work on proving that you know he can he can make an impact in a game and squashing any concerns about his consistency and compete level. And have like a, a hundred point season in in the dub. Now Lambert's got dual citizenship. He's uh, English and Finnish nationality so playing in, in North America wouldn't really require much uh, adjustment for him you know with language culture or anything like that so uh, he could come over here and, and hit the ground running and be lights out good uh, you know there's some NHL scouts saying that he's on my do not draft list some are saying yeah he's we draft him but only if he's available beyond the first round we wouldn't waste a first round pick on him Bob McKenzie's got him ranked 16th so right smack in the middle of the first round. Now, this is a player who is very low in my rankings on the first round, but I'm confident that he will be a first-round pick. And again, I'm looking at teams like Arizona, Seattle, Buffalo that have multiple first-round picks. Um, and going for a little bit more sure thing earlier on with one of their earlier picks and then uh, swinging for the fences with with Lambert and, and trying to get uh, double down on some two prominent prospects. 29th is uh, a Russian, Gleb Trikazov. He is a smart, physical, two-way player with a heavy shot. And Bob McKenzie did not have him in his first round. In fact, he was ranked 57th, so barely in his second round. 
And I'm guessing that has a lot to do with the passport again and, and being Russian. He's played in the uh, VHL and the MHL, and he was dominant with 45 points in 35 games in the MHL. Um, but he had a small draft year and, and sample size. Um, the kid's got good upside, but he, again, he's another long-term prospect uh, with the Russian factor being pretty relevant on this file. So uh, he might be a player that slips out of the first round that you know, three or four years from now we look back and he's in North America and, and he's a middle six player and you think, wow, this, whoever drafted him in the, the late in the second round got really good value there. He's first round player all day. Uh, so we'll see on that one. Number 30, I went with center from the SHL, Noah Osland. Um, Mackenzie had him ranked 27th. So again, both think he's a, a good late first round pick. Um, he's a third draft eligible player from that line in Jure Gardens, along with Liam Ogren and Jonathan Lekaramaki. Uh, he's the lowest ranked player on my list out of that trio, but I think they'll all go in the first round. Um, and he was more impactful at the junior level and the U18s. Um, he may be a little bit on the on the underside size too, but kid's got a motor and he's got some high end skill. So a uh, player to to keep an eye on. Uh, if you got a, a late round drafting team, he might be someone who your your team could pick up, or you might want to pick up on your fantasy roster. It'd be a couple years out, uh, might be a year or two away from even coming to North America, let alone the NHL. Thirty one, I go with uh, left shot defenseman, big, mobile, Swedish, Cali Odilius. Um, he's got some offensive upside, but I think that's kind of more on the limited aspect of what we can expect from him offensively. So from a fantasy perspective, uh, a little bit less attractive unless you got a banger league. Uh, he looks like he, he might be a lock to make the NHL as a minute munching defenseman um, with some you know potential for secondary offensive support. Um, I mean, these are players that you, if you're in a fantasy draft that has you know up to 30 30 teams in your league, uh, not necessarily a player I would want to invest a first round pick in, um, but for you know real life value and NHL value, I think he, uh, I think he is. Mackenzie's got him out just outside the first round at, at 36. And last but not least, another big honking D, uh, Leon Bischel, uh, left shot D again, again from the SHL Lexand. He's 6'5", 225. Uh, physically dominant defender. He's got the mobility and the reach. Offensive upside is questionable again. Um, but you know, had he been healthy and available for the U18 tournament that he missed, I think uh, you know we might have seen a glimpse of what kind of offensive upside um, he has. Um, and maybe he'll play for uh, the Swiss at the uh, at the World Juniors if it's that tournament in August. Um, something to keep an eye on when you're watching if Swiss made the tournament even. I don't know. They probably did without Russia being there. Uh, and like I said, I believe there is there's a growing appetite for big physical defensemen who can play a shutdown role, aren't limited offensively, uh, but most importantly have the mobility that you need to play in the NHL, and, and that's Lean Bischel. And uh, where does Bob have him? He's got him... 
26th, so you know, also in the the bottom of the first round. So that's uh, that's my uh, my first <clears throat> round top 32 rankings for the upcoming draft, which will be uh, about a week from now. If you're listening to this, um, very excited to be going for this draft. Uh, like I said, CHL import some players there that were selected that are relevant. Adam Sakura didn't make my first round. Drafted by uh, Medicine Hat Tigers. Um, Yuri Coolidge, Marco Casper, Ivan Miroshenchenko, and Jonathan LeCaramacchi. A uh, bunch of players de- uh, draft eligible for the 2023 draft, but who's got time to talk about two drafts in one podcast? That'll be uh, something that we look at later on down the line. Uh, so that's kind of kind of the end of what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, you can catch me on a couple other podcasts coming up here. Uh, recorded last night with the Daughter Prospect Boys on a, an episode of DraftCast where we're talking about the Fantasy Prospect um, guide that just came out with Dauber and uh, uh, so all the senior writers contributed to the top 50. So you can catch me on that with, with Pat and Kyle and uh, Keith Duggan's on that and Dave Hall's on that and uh, Hayden Sobolewski was was also on that. Um, and I apologize if I just brain farted and forgot anyone else. I also will be recording an episode as a guest on Offside Hockey, uh, so that's uh, a show that you can search out on all of the podcast platforms, and I also will be guessing on, guesting on Apples and Genos, and uh, so there's three other podcasts to, uh, you know, check me out, find me on those, give them a little plug, thanks for the invite boys. And uh, so that's a wrap on on this episode. I will be heading to Montreal, where I hope to be getting lots of interviews and recordings, uh, juicy content from some players, uh, some scouts, some prospect analysts, um, the whole shebang, GMs perhaps as well. Uh, so you know, keep uh, keep subscribing to my podcast. I thank you very much for everyone who subscribes, and I apologize for the inconsistency and long gaps in in some episodes but i hope you enjoy listening to them if you do so please give me a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to um you know share it on on your social media let all your your friends and followers know about the show um anytime you want to give me any kind of feedback good bad or ugly i'm you know happy to engage with with people on the social media twitter you can find me at farling p-h-a-r-l-i-n-g and then the Twitter handle for the podcast is DPR underscore show, Dauber Prospects Radio Show. All right. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Enjoy the draft, and we'll talk to you soon.